This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Dune by Gale Force 9, episode 119. Dune, Learning the Spacing Guild. Music by Brian Capillis, hosted by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this one. What are you afraid of? There's so much. There's so many things that we're going to do today. Oh, let me tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you this. If you like long episodes of Space Cats, (laughs) Peace Turtles, you are probably safe today. (laughs) If that is something you're into. Let's just run through the slate of today. So first up, we're going to do, this is a Dune episode, as you could tell by the music, but that's okay. You're going to get a TI fix. Don't be afraid. There's there's some Dune stuff, and then there's going to be some more Dune stuff, because we didn't do the Atreides errata ever. Uh, So we have to do that. And then we're also going to do the Harkonnen errata from a while back. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have all of that. And then on top of that, there have been just oodles, oodles, Hunter, oodles of tournament games that we need to catch you up on. In fact, there's so many that we're not even going to do all of them today because this upcoming week, there are very few games. So we're going to leave a few to talk about in next week's episode. So we're going to cover five games, it looks like today, five-ish games. Um, and uh, keep you up to date on what's going on. We're also going to, we didn't do this last time, and I really wanted to. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of just a little bit of the stats so far. We won't, we won't yeah. be able to get too in-depth yet, but I just wanted to kind of like look at some of like what trends we're seeing in the tournament. Um, so, boy, it's, it's a thick one, everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we all... say this, and then we're gonna like blow through it and like yeah, it's gonna minutes. yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely happened ever, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good at at the beginning of it being like oh let's make this one fast, and then every time we've done that, that's been the like two and a half hour long episode. So yeah. I'm not even saying it this time. Let's just let's just do it, Hunter. Uh, you, you're, you're kind of the spacing guild boy, uh, today. Um, I, I kind of, I'm, I kind of owe you a Dune episode. You've kind of taken yeah, the lead on the past do. two. So I know that I'll be taking the lead on Fremen, uh, coming up here soon, but, uh, I, I, you're gonna, you're gonna walk us through some, some thoughts on the spacing guild, huh? And, and again, we've kind of said this the past couple times, but this is not like the ultimate strategy guide right. to playing the spacing guild. This is like a, hey, this is to get you started, give you some early concepts to be aware of and and strategies to keep in mind so that you can then teach yourself like how to push that further and further and learn your own specific style, which I think is kind of a big deal uh, in, in Dune. I mean... Bill Eberly told us that in his interview. His favorite thing about the game is seeing how your friends take on the role. What kind of what kind of Fremen is Hunter versus what kind of Harkonnen is Hunter? So sure. So everyone's got their own thing. But Hunter, give me give me the that rundown on the uh, the Spacing Guild's uh, startup. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about their overview first. Um, basically, at the start of the game, uh, they start with five uh, forces on um, TX Sietch. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, I looked it up. That's how you pronounce it. Is this Tiak? Oh, is it? Tiak. Tiak. It's two rocks. Tiak. Tiak. You know, remember those games? Two rocks, right? Um, so you start with five on on that stronghold. 
Yeah. Um, so you control one stronghold at the beginning of the game. Uh, you have 15 in your reserves. Uh, you start with five spice, which is not a lot. Not a lot. Um, your leaders, you have a one, a two, a three, a three, and a five, hey, which is Hunter, bad. That's super bad. That's bad. <laughs> that's bad, that's bad, not bad, great. Bad. Um, that is, I think, numerically the worst, but also yeah. just bad. Like it doesn't. I don't even care stat wise. I don't even care where they are. It's just meant, yeah. and it's meant to be bad. Yeah. Um, they get one free revival every time they revive, which uh, is very bad as well. Yeah, just not a just not a units got you know kind of guy which is funny considering what we're about to get into but like right off the bat the first thing you can know to them is like they don't start with many units they don't have much stuff to back up getting more units and they don't you know they, they don't revive well and they don't have good leaders it's just like nothing good going on with their forces on the board yeah well so the way i would describe the spacing guild to a twilight imperium player that had never played dune before the way i would describe them is like they're sort of like the hakan if the Hakan was counterbalanced in the same way that Jolnar is. Right, and a minus one to their infantry, yeah, basically. Like bad, at, yeah. bad at fighting, but instead of, you know, there's no tech really in Dune, so instead right. it's just like economy. Yeah, um, yeah. And their economy is great. Um, their first uh, advantage to talk about is called uh, payment for uh, shipment. Uh, when other factions ship forces onto Dune from their off-planet reserves, they pay the spice to you instead of the spice bank. Um, so that's great. You're very yep. much like the Emperor in in that you make money when other players do certain things. Yeah, um, I would like say shipping. even better than the Emperor because, like, yeah, car- people would like cards, but people got to put units on the board, like, at some point. I mean, yes. that's, that's just a necessary part of the game. Yeah, Um it's what's interesting about um, payment for ship shipping as far as like it kind of counterbalances its, itself of like if someone is going to make some sort of crazy move and attack you suddenly, well, they probably had to pay to ship to wherever you are. Right. So they kind of automatically give you cash whenever they do that, um, which the emperor doesn't quite work like that. The emperor, I think, gets more steady money especially early game because people just need cards yeah however the way the spacing guild makes money is i think more closely tied to a relationship of them being like kind of the counter puncher or like the person that you you can't really like force the spacing guild into a situation um they're they're slippery they're slippery and they're sneaky yeah i said slippery really weird slippery slippery i was like i turned into a robot um Their next advantage is called three types of shipment, which is not a very cute name for an ability. <laughs> None I guess. of the abilities in this. It's not in in TI. Everything has like a very thematic name. In Dune, it's very like what the economist like put together for these names. Like it's just like yes, they have three types of shipment. We will call it three types, types of, of shipment. shipment. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not like TI. Uh, they're trying to just tell you what it is, though. I say I would yeah. say that's the advantage of it. It's, it's clear, m- more obvious what. <laughs> What things are um but basically uh the space and guild can ship one of of three different types of shipments on their turn uh you can ship normally from off-planet reserves to dune like everybody else so was that even worth noting uh yeah number two you may ship any number of forces from any one territory to any other territory on the board so basically right. space and guild can use shipment to move everyone else yeah. Once the forces get on Dune, they can only move like one, or if they control Ornithopters, three. Right. Um, and you, you may can sh- just pay to do it, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You can just pay to move anywhere whenever you want. Right. Um, and you may ship any number of forces from any one territory back to your reserves. You can turtle, you know? Yeah. You can just be like, oh, nope. 
in fact, nothing happens because I've left. I've, how I've often left do the you planet. do that, though? I mean, I, I don't understand how the shipping to my reserves could really like paying to just remove my own units from the board seems like a weird prospect. And I've always yeah. had trouble figuring out why I would utilize that. I mean, I think uh, I, I, I think in doing these introductions, I kind of want to call out when we've entered a spot that's just like we have not played enough games to yeah, say why that's the point um, here yeah it's, yeah it's very much like a we're we're here learning kind of with everybody else and i think this is a snap this is a thing that everybody hits up against and they kind of go why would i what is that good for yeah and, uh, this is a big one for me in i the have whole seen game. some players talk about it and i think it is just like it really makes no difference for this the spacing guild to ship to wherever they want or back to their reserves. So why not let them have it? Um, right. It's kind of a situation where I think uh, it's it's about pulling your forces in and not risking anybody. So like yeah. um, one thing that we're going to get on uh, in just a second is that basically um, Space and Guild can ship and move whenever they want in the order. Yeah. So let's say you're in a situation where you're like, I just need to full on retreat and get more forces out of the Talaxu tanks. And it's going to take a while. Um, I go first. I ship everybody back to the reserves. Now, no one can take any forces from me whatsoever. Yeah. Right. And that's that's theory crafty right there. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, half price is their next advantage. Uh, you only pay half the normal fee when shipping your forces. Um so you start with less, but you're very you're very easily going to get kind of matched up with everybody else uh, in yes. terms of like the the you know round two numbers. You're going to be more or less on par with where everybody else is at on the board. Right, um, and you also pay one spice for every two of your forces shipped back to the reserves, which is actually maybe another way to say like you know like it's pretty cheap to ship back to the reserves if you need to. Yeah. You know? gotcha. um, and then their next advantage is the Spacing Guild special victory condition. If no faction has been able to win the game by the end of play, you have prevented control of Dune and automatically win the game. Um, so basically, if it's a long game, Spacing Guild can just kind of try and time it out. Right. And there you go. Like, well, and, and that feeds directly into their ability to kind of control. So, like, they're going to have so much money. We're about to get into the ship and move when you wish thing. But it's worth mentioning this ability before we get into that being that, like, because you're all about these sneaky things, the sneaky thing you can do doesn't even have to be like some big maneuver to secure a victory for yourself. It's just like you can always ha adopt the strategy of stop everyone else. Yes. You can just do that all game long and then eventually win. Yes, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I let's go ahead and get their next advantage out because it's a doozy. And it kind of uh, like there's a lot of verisimilitude with the Spacing Guild and that this ability, I feel like, is the linchpin of their entire thing. And it's right. worth noting, this ability is only available in the advanced um, game. Right. So it's if you're just everything. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, Spacing Guild is fun in the regular game, I'm sure. Well, if anything, I mean, too, it is fun because in the regular game, a lot of other people are missing big parts of their main powers, too. So if anything, in I would say in the, in the normal rules, Spacing Guild feels crazy because they just have all these things at their disposal. Yeah. And everybody else has, like, a, a ability, you know, one ability. And then everyone else gets all this new crazy stuff. But Spacey Guild also gets a crazy thing that keeps them, you know, well, well above the pack. Uh, I would just say from a design standpoint, though, this next ability kind of defines their the flavor of the faction. Yeah. Um, so the next ability is called Ship and Move When You Wish. 
Uh, you may take your shipment and move action out of turn. This would allow you to go first or last or in between other players' turns however you wish. The rest of the factions must make their shipments and moves in the proper sequence. You do not have to reveal when you intend to make your shipment and move until the moment you wish to take it. So the Spacing Guild basically in the, the shipping and movement phase can just at any point just say like, mm, I want to go now. Yeah. Um, and this, and the fact that they have all these different types of shipment, uh, r- this really works together to make them basically the like surprise attack yeah. uh, faction. They can suddenly go for the win and you had no way yeah. of knowing. Um, so yeah, there's well, a, go ahead. The main way you're going to use this too, I mean, it, yeah, you can go whenever, you can do cool opportunity stuff, but the biggest thing is you're just going to always go last uh, because being able to see what everyone else has done and then reacting to that is a pretty major part of Dune. So I would say like your earliest strategy to adopt is just go last every single time, almost no matter what, unless there is an obvious reason to do otherwise. But it's yeah. like what their their ability should be ship last, like wait everybody out. That, that, that could be enough. The fact that they gave you the option to also go in between any other time for other timing attacks is like icing on the cake. But but in Dune, to be able to go last is just a huge deal by itself. It is pretty cool. Um, I will, I'll call out a couple situations where you might not want to go last. I would say last yeah. is probably the default. Right. Um, but if you are, so like one rule that I feel like as we've gotten more and more into Dune that feels like is a really important rule in kind of a very gamey way that I don't know exactly how I feel about, like this isn't a review, but this, it seems like this rule comes up all the time. Um, there can really, there can only be a single battle in a stronghold at right. one time. So like at one time there can be two opposing forces um, and then like a Benny Gesserit advisor but it has to be flipped to the advisor side. Right. And that's the max amount of stuff that can be in a, in one spot fighting basically. Um, or actually, which I means kinda, for, is, yeah, no, no, that's right. That's right. So for spacing guild, the whole point would be you go earlier so that you make sure you jump on a stronghold before somebody else is going to get the opportunity to go there yeah. because it's their kind of it's their last ditch effort. If if two people are present in a, a uh, stronghold, that's it. Nobody else is allowed to even try to touch it. So right. Spacing Guild gets to pick and choose which strongholds they want to actually attack, whereas everybody else has to kind of like wait and see. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this this could result in a situation where the Spacing Guild wants to go early to clog up um a, a specific stronghold or as many strongholds as possible because another player is going for the win. Yeah. Um, it could be even something as simple as like spacing guild sends a single force to whatever, to Eric Keen. All right. Well now nobody's going to Eric Keen right. unless the other player agrees to like retreat or something silly. Right. Which so, can be huge. Even ju- it's funny you bring up Eric Keen. Cause that's like, okay, you just, you just eliminated anybody else from getting ornithopters. Like you just completely yes. ruined everybody's movement. It has nothing to do with them even trying to actually take the stronghold. It's just, you can plug up the ornithopters and keep everybody off. Right. Another reason you might want to not go last is if you're coordinating with your ally, um, either going back to back with your ally or going specifically first so that your ally can do something on their turn. Um, There's a lot of really cool stuff, uh, like kind of team stuff you can do because you can go whenever you want. Um, And then, I mean, I would say the the most obvious applications are, are surprise attacks. Unexpected, like, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of situations where all right, well, it's not that I need to go first or last specifically. It's I need to wait till so-and-so goes, and then I'm going to do something right after them because I think they're going to, you know, abandon this uh, stronghold or whatever. Um, 
So yeah, uh, and I would say a lot of the stuff we just talked about, um, Ginger brought up. Um, we had a lot of pre errata uh, this week, but it was all mostly from Ginger. Right. Um, <laughs> so Ginger wrote his own guide and sent it to us, and right. we're gonna we're gonna pull some of his nuggets from it. But like, you know, y- you could go read all of his stuff too, and and probably hear from someone who has more games in their belt. Yes. Uh, but Certainly. you're you're gonna see a lot of that stuff echoed here. Yeah. Um, okay, are we ready to move on to the Karama card? We're always ready to move on. You know, actually, I'm I'm never ready. Karama cards are still something that like completely like I buff up against as a player, uh, just because it's I never want to go look in the rule book. Right. But uh, so I could honestly tell you right now, Hunter, I genuinely have no idea what the uh, Space and Guilds Karama ability is. I'll say this: Karama <laughs> cards seem to be. You know how like early. This is for older fans of the show. You know how like early on when we we were playing Twilight Imperium, we would be like, and then there's their promissory note. That's not so good. I don't know how <laughs> right. to use that. Yeah, exactly. And then everyone would be like, No, it's really good. You guys you are idiots. <laughs> That's. I bet that is the theme with the Karama cards. Yeah. Every um, week we'd be like, eh, It's meh. And everyone's gonna freak out again. We which we'll still get to that we, later. we gotta be real. I, I we gotta be real. The Space and Guild Karama card is that you may use this card to stop one off-planet shipment of any one player. So you can That's play good. it and be like, you can't ship. No shipping. Yeah. That I mean, that seems good. That that it is obviously good. good for stopping someone on the game-winning round that they would have or something. I mean, that, that has very obvious potential. Yes. The thing about Karama cards in general is that you only I mean you only have four cards in your hand. And the fact that you're going to save this one that you could play at any time to like save you some money, essentially, right. which I guess Sp- Space and Guild doesn't really need to save money. So yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if you're just that far ahead with Spice, you're just like, I don't need, I don't even need this. I can just hold on to it. Maybe that's, maybe that is a point for it. I don't know. Um, but it does feel like it's a very specific situation we're talking about where this card is going to win you the game. It's a situation where, there's only one player that can stop you or only one, you know, or even defensively, it's like there's only they only have one route, in which case, yeah, this would stop it, which is cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where you really have to theory craft to like make up a bunch of situations where it can be useful. To me, it seems like I can see those. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm always going to be tempted to use a Karama card as like a save me some money kind of card. I invite the errata to come tell me that that you should hold on to it all game or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I can certainly see the argument of holding on to it all game because it, it could at the very least help you stop someone else who might stop your opportunity to win or whatever. Like it, it's obviously useful to hold all game, but I get that idea of like, sometimes you just need to get two defenses and two attacks and have that in your hand and, and, and be able to use that. Or like, especially with your very bad revival, like I would rather have a, have a, the Talaxlu tank card where you can pull all your guys out of the tanks. I mm-hmm. would much rather hold onto that card for like a good moment a and game. have a good, you know, have a good set of attack and defense cards in my hand over having the Karama. Yeah. I would say that, um, I think the way, the way I would, most like to think about this card is if I get it, we need to look at my current situation and say, Hey, uh, is it maybe time to just go for the victory right now? Right. Because I've got this, you know what I mean? And then like, what does that path look like? And then maybe you go for it. Um, I feel like if that isn't the case, I, I don't really like the idea of holding on to any cards all game that aren't like a solid set of weapon weapons yeah. of defense. I right. want to, especially, with the spacing guild who is really bad at fighting uh yeah. like 
Like it, it's it's wild that your economy is so good and you can ship your your forces wherever you want, but like there are just some like Benny Gesserit or like Harkonnen that like it might not even matter how yeah. many forces you can ship there. Like you're right. just not your gonna main, win. Your main combat advantage is the ability to overwhelm, and some of your opponents have things that stop even that from being a factor. Sure. So yeah, so yeah. It, it can be pretty crushing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about their alliance ability because okay. it is juicy and tasty. Yeah. Um, allies may ship from their off-planet reserves onto Dune or cross-ship from one territory to another with forces that are already on Dune at the Spacing Guild half-price rate. Right. Your allies, so basically all of your main abilities. <laughs> yes. Um, your allies win with you. Uh, if you win with the Spacing Guild special victory condition. So yeah, you get to ship off-planet um, like very cheaply. and by, I mean, yeah. from off-planet, I should say. Um, however, there is one note. Um, with the Spacing Guild three types of shipment, they can ship forces on Dune to any any area. Right. It doesn't have to already have their forces there. They can just be like, surprise, I'm here. Yeah. You can only do it to places where you're already at. I see. So you're only reinforcing yourself from cross shipments. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I mean, and I mean that with the cross shipping of forces already on Dune. Yes. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so let's, let's talk then about, we're going to get into like what each, fa- how each faction feels about this. But in general, um, I mean, this even even in the non uh, advanced rules, like everyone wants to be the alliance or the the spacing guilds ally, right? I mean, this feels to me like the most sought after ally in most of my games. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They are they are super attractive. Uh, everybody is going to want to be your friend uh, because this is just such a solid ability. Um, most of the, I mean, the emperor is the only other faction that really like has a lot of money disposable money and they would right. probably even be down just because yeah. they because the thing about the emperor is that they their whole problem is that they start with all their forces and reserves they have no pl- no forces on yeah. planet so like even the even the rich folks are looking at your ability being like oh yeah let's go for it yeah um right and essentially all of, all of the poor people uh we're talking Harkonnen, atreides uh, they could totally use this. The only the only faction that I feel like can't quite make use of this is maybe Fremen, yeah, because they don't ship off planet, right. so they can They're only use the cross shipping stuff. Um, however, Fremen Fremen could make it work. They just have to be specific about where you know they have like maybe separate stacks that they can yeah. ship in between more easily. I don't know. Like you could you could make an argument for it. Um, we and talked also, last week about Harkonnen being your main, the person mostly looking for you as an ally, right? Like it, for your ability, Harkonnen is is pretty, pretty oh, thirsty yeah. for it. Harkonnen would love to be your ally, but I mean, so would basically everybody else. All the fun. yeah, that's um, true. So let's flip it around then, and and tell me which ones are we? Since we get the pick of the litter, we get to right. just like everybody wants to be our friend. Whose friend do we actually want to be? Or let's start with kind of the obvious who we don't want to, who we could care less about. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, it, it really just depends on your needs within a given game. Yeah. Um, do we need to win fights? Uh, do we have like a not very good hand at all? And maybe we've like suffered some losses. We lost like our, our five leader, God forbid. Yeah. Um, do, so we we need to win fights. That means we're looking at Benny Gesserit, we're looking at Harkonnen, we're looking at Atreides. Um, 
And I feel like if we're just doing well, if we have a strong position, um, we, you know, we held on to TXCH, um, <laughs> maybe we just go with the emperor and basically tie up the economy of the game. Yeah. Um, and really just kind of troll the table because it is, it's pretty potent. Uh, but let's talk about Fremen first because Fremen is kind of the outlier. Um, I would say overall, uh, you can't really make a bad choice as the Space right. and Guild, except for the Fremen. <laughs> um, and the thing is, the thing about the Fremen is you're probably not going to pick them because you get to pick whoever you want for the most right. part, right? You're I never going like, to be left in that scenario. Yeah. Um, I will say there are some there are some notable things. Like you both want the game to go to the end, sure. Um, which could bring you kind of, you're at least kind of both like, oh, we're in, on the same page here. Um, so you kind of line up in that way. Uh, you can, get you, th- can you win with the Fremen victory condition, or does theirs override yours, right? So if you both stall it out, but then Fremen complete their extra steps, does Fremen win alone? Oh, uh, that is very a very good thing to check. Um, in addition, your allies win with you if you win with the Fremen special victory condition. So you are you might as well both go for the Spacing Guild one if right. you're together. Right. Um, but what I mean is that maybe... We're talking about a situation where the mid game has gone horribly, uh, and you and Fremen are looking at each other like, you know what, we're kind of on the same page here. So I could see a situation like that. Um, Fremen also grant you three free revivals, which is nice, but you're not really worried about money. And honestly, if you are in a situation where you lost a lot of forces to the Talaxi tanks, the Emperor is going to do you better. That's like, true. Even yeah. though it's not free, the emperor is going to help you get more out well, of the Well, and you two faster. are going to have so much money that it's not—it's negligible to get you all of those free, yeah. all those revivals. Those not free, but those revivals are going to come easy, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, with with the emperor alliance ability, um, they can pay for they can pay for your uh, revivals, and they they can get you three extra, which yeah. it's like amp- Fre- or sorry, Fremen is only giving you three. Uh, free freebies but you're still maxed out at three so you're not right. getting more than three out which honestly like if you're in a situation honestly money is no object if you have a bunch of forces stuck in the tanks you just right. want them out it doesn't right. matter how cheap it is you just need them out um so yeah you're also like you're so good at movement that the there's a sandworm thing that the the fremen basically can make it where sandworms don't kill you yeah uh, but hopefully like you don't have to worry about sandworms because you can just like ship wherever you want at any time well and the big advantage of the worm thing is if you're playing the spice game and it doesn't really seem like spacing guild has almost any reason to play the spice game i mean you, you maybe could. you would occasionally but like you have plenty of money it's not ever a thing you need to do unless you're just trying to block other people out of the spice money but yeah. in general there's not that many situations why you need to end up out on a spice blow where a worm could come hit yeah, I, I agree. And and you're not a scrappy faction. We're not yeah. going to get into frivolous fights. Well, we're going to get in fights because it's like for the game or to, to block the leader. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're not like Harkonnen where you can just like go out and like, you know, get be really, especially early game, uh, scrappy and contest the spice blow. What's cool is that you could steal spice blow that no one else can get to because you're just right. the only one that can, can get there. there. That's true. Yeah, uh, that, that feels like the only time you go for spice. Sure. Me as spacing go. I'm not gonna ever like go attack Harkonnen to fight them over the spice. That seems crazy stupid to me. Yeah. But when it's just that spice, it's like, oh, hey, cool. No one else can go there. I'll send a few guys. I'll send four people out there to go get all of that spice. 
And even yeah. if they die, even if they die to the one, this is why the Fremen thing even more doesn't matter. Because it's like, you know what? I kind of built that into the cost of maybe going to get those guys. Because they cost me half price to get them there in the first place. And they may double their money, right? Yeah. It, it, it seems like it's just you You just go for it when it when it makes sense to. I think it would have to be a real rainy day for yeah, any yeah. of this to make sense. It right. would have to be like almost a post-apocalyptic Dune game where most everybody's lost all their forces to the tanks. Because the thing, the thing is about the Spacing Guild um, financial advantage is if people aren't shipping, then you're not getting money. And if yeah. everybody's dead... There's right. not a whole lot of shipping. <laughs> Seriously, though. Yeah, it, like, yeah. I mean, you can watch the, the game that I put on YouTube, like, last week where I'm playing as Harkonnen, and, like, towards the end of that game, everybody, like, those, the tanks are overfilling, you know, which is <laughs> not Space great. Guild's just crushed. No more money. No right. more inflow. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is if the Spacing Guild gets kind of caught in the fray, um, they could end up in a late game situation where they are kind of on yeah. their 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 bad foot. Um, but let's talk about the Emperor um, yeah. Alliance combo. Um, this one in our games personally, yeah, we have found to be overpowered. Uh, feels this like is the, the I feel like this is the agree, first though. one everyone sees. Right when you yeah. when you sit down to play Dune the first time and you know you can be allies, you and the Emperor are always right off the bat inclined to be like, oh, you could just lock down this money and yeah. have that just be the thing. And everyone's like, oh, no, please don't do it. And just like, that's the game, right? Yeah. And it's, well, it's how it feels. What do we mean by lock down all the money, though? Right. It's not... I feel like we've maybe been bad about putting this point out there because we're both we both talk about being kind of a fan of this and and then I see lots of comments of like, well, it's not, it's not that good because... And the main argument I've seen is you end up with so much money but then nothing to spend it on. You can't get enough units down you have nothing else to, to put the money into but that's exactly the point there's kind of a closed economy in dune and if you and the emperor have all of the money it means nobody else has any of the money which means nobody else is getting any of the stuff on the board to do any of the things they need to do it's okay if the two of you are bogarting every last piece of spice out there if that means that nobody else gets to build stuff right yeah, it's 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 really just about like kind of being like, hey, we're both rich. Let's not share our money with the poor folks. Um, it's not a very elegant like alliance. No. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not cool. Um, if anything, it's a little it, it's maybe kind of cheesy to borrow right. a term. But um, you're still I mean, you're going to ally with somebody and Fremen sucks. So it's cheesy, <laughs> but there's only four choices you have yeah. here. Like, right. So, I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't help you be really tricky or like there's not, you know, a bunch of special battle abilities you'll have now. It's really just that you have a bunch of money. And if, I mean, I will say, I do think it is fair to reiterate that, like, if you get in fights and lose a bunch of guys, then the Emperor will help you get those guys right back out of the tanks. So maybe you can be even riskier. Like right. maybe there is like, I a, think so for sure. Yeah. Like a shoot from the hip spacing guild that you can kind of do if you have the emperor as an ally. Um, Ginger actually uh, had a good way of describing this alliance as the brute force approach. Yeah. It's not like elegant. That. It's just like, bam, it's like, here, gonna here's all push our guys. Everybody out. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about the more interesting ones though. Yeah, and Emperor yeah. Emperor is co- cool and effective, but there's more interesting stuff to talk about with these last three. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, them kind of roughly in order of my interest. Um, truth, <laughs> truth be told, they're probably not that different from each other. Maybe yeah. Atreides is maybe the worst of these last three, but okay. like not by a whole lot. Um, 
because we're spacing guild we're bad at fighting we're looking at the alliances that are that are that make us good at fighting yeah um atreides uh is interesting because you're looking for them to give you knowledge of what um what other cards the other players have you're looking for a you want a peek at the atreides book so that you know what fights to pick because you can pick whatever fight you want you know what i mean like you you can ship wherever you feel like and whenever you want to so you can decide all right atreides you're better at fighting than me you're going to go fight so and so because i can't fight them i'm gonna fight this other player because i know for a fact they do not have the cards to beat even my meager hand basically this seems like the most plotty alliance right like uh, because atreides has raw information that you can use your crazy timing attacks in conjunction with like there is a pretty nice synergy there of like they know who's got a weak thing and i've got the ability to strike at weak points we can we can make all of that work together i I think that is where the strength lies with atreides is is the way you win with an atreides alliance is you know that one stronghold became slightly vulnerable and you knew exactly what cards were going to you were going to be up against so you knew it was a fair bet to to jump on it at that yeah. time yeah i will say the their alliance ability of like forcing someone to show you an element of their battle plan that could also be helpful but i feel like the plottiness of it is maybe more important yeah um because i feel like in a situation where atreides is a good ally for you it's kind of a situation where like you're not doing so hot. Like, you don't have, like, a great hand in front of you. So, like, regardless of you knowing, like, oh, you're using this instead of this, uh, you probably don't have that many options in your hand if we're looking for an Atreides alliance. Because I feel like these next two we're going to talk about, if you've got a decent hand, the two of you can do uh, some damage. Yeah. Um, But I would say say that Atreides is kind of an old faithful, just like... uh, You're, no one's going to scoop up Atreides before you get a shot at them. So like yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's worth it. Um, another yeah. thing that I feel like is worth noting with both Atreides and Harkonnen uh, is that you have no use for Ornithopters. Um, every other uh, person that allies with, I feel like, Atreides or Harkonnen early game, they're kind of doing themselves kind of a weird thing because they're locking themselves out of Ornithopters right. for, for one of those two strongholds, right? Um, yeah. So which means they either got a... And especially with Atreides... I, I the idea of allying with Atreides is always kind of weird to me because I'm basically saying, oh, I can't go to Arakeen and easily get Ornithopters, and of those two houses, Atreides is the one that I would rather pull that move yeah, with. Right, right, right. Yeah, but Spacing Guild just kind of doesn't care about that aspect. Yeah. So you yeah. you are better. What you're saying is you're better suited to be one of their allies than most other factions yes. would be. Yes. Um. Let's talk about Benny Gesserit. Uh. So the bo- the voice is you know, the best fighting ability in the game. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to go ahead and describe it here because I feel like we talk about so much in these alliance aspects that... There are other abilities. Yeah. yeah um, and we haven't talked about Benny Gesserit yet. So voice is, uh, you may voice your opponent to do as you wish with respect to one of the cards they play in their battle plan. For instance, to play or not play a specific weapon, a poison weapon, projectile weapon, last gun, whatever. You can say, you can say whatever you want there. Or defense, uh, snooper or shield. Uh, worthless card or a cheap hero. If yeah. your opponent can't comply with your command, they they may do as they wish. So the thing about the Benny Gesserit is they kind of have to. It's it's informed by like their knowledge. Yeah. Um. Hopefully the two of you can kind of come like combine heads on this. But yeah, you can you can basically if you have a decent hand, the Benny Gesserit can set you 
up for you both to be these like sneaky assassins that are yeah. just like killing leaders, which is like your problem, right? You have bad leaders, so you need to be able to kill your opponent's leaders because yeah. that's going to be the wiggle room that they have on you. You know, yeah, blocking other people's defenses is a pretty major. Uh, being able to say, hey, you can't play this because you've got the right attack card is like kind of clutch to being you being able to pull off victories when you can't overwhelm in any other way. Right. Um, and one thing that Ginger pointed out that did not occur to me um, is that advisors, which are these, um, the Bene Gesserit can flip their force tokens uh, t- to either the fighter side, which operate pretty normally, or advisors. Advisors can kind of like occupy an area and just like surprise flip. Um, yeah. Advisors are actually a pretty solid counter to the Spacing Guild right. in that we are talking about Spacing Guild wants to be able to control like when fights happen and clogging up various uh, strongholds, being like, oh, you can't fight here because only one fight can happen here. Well, Benny Gesserit is also pretty good at that. Advisors can flip uh, on each turn after the Spice Blow and Nexus phase. So that's before shipment. So, right. so basically, Benny Gesserit can get in your way even before we get to your movement advantage. So right. m- like I would say logistically this probably makes benny jesuit a better ally than i'm necessarily going to give them credit for yeah it gets them out of your way is the only thing by making them an ally it's a problem that you have that is now not a problem and it's wild though because like you i mean the two of you can basically really manipulate that rule of like there can only be a fight in a place at a time uh Mm -hmm. to your advantage i think to a like a, a very wild degree um but I want to talk about the one I'm really excited about um, yeah. right now, which is Harkonnen. Uh, Harkonnen kind of has a lot of answers. to, And, and it's interesting because you could go back to our Harkonnen, um, our Harkonnen guide. And a lot of the things that we said that was true for Harkonnen were just kind of solidly true for both factions. They kind of yeah. feel like kind of fit together um, because Harkonnen has the boots on the ground that you're looking for. They're fighty. They're very, they're crazy fighty. Yeah. Um, and, if Harkonnen doesn't have mobility as a problem and also like is able to borrow money in order to bid on yeah. cards and to continue to to basically if you can solve Harkonnen's economy problems, I think Harkonnen gets really, really scary. Yeah. So I think I think Spacing Guild is definitely bringing Harkonnen up. But what I what I feel like I've realized in in writing the guide from Spacing Guild's perspective, which I didn't necessarily expect, was like being allied to like a super awesome Harkonnen that yeah. I kind of am controlling the purse strings for is actually a really really good sounds like a really solid strategy. Yeah, well, because you're looking, it, it feels like the one two finish is what the two of you are pulling off for a bunch of the game. Harken, you're you're helping fund Harkonnen and you're doing all this stuff, so Harkonnen is getting into these really scary positions and Harkonnen is basically better on defense right like they are scarier to attack into when when Harkonnen attacks you it's obviously scary but more often once Harkonnen is somewhere everyone else is gonna be like I don't think it's worth trying to push there because they're there and who knows what they've got in their hand so if you can set up areas where Harkonnen has them on lockdown then your ability comes into play of like and let me snatch up that last one boom we just won Right. That's that's what that uh, relationship feels like. It's like Harkonnen get, does all the muscle until you come in and finish the job. And it makes Harkonnen scrappier, yeah. um, which like I feel like they're described a little bit as like kind of a hedgehog. Uh, just like you want to avoid fighting Harkonnen um, if at all possible. But also Harkonnen like 
doesn't Harkonnen is scared of losing fights too. Harkonnen like really can't lose fights. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like if we're saving all of this money that Harkonnen doesn't have in order to allow them to ship, it feels like they can be a little more like, all right, I'm going to threaten a bit more basically. Um, So I think the big factor when it comes to Harkonnen versus Benny Gesserit um, and I, this factor I think is oftentimes going to add up to like, Oh, you should probably go with Benny Gesserit is, um, where is Harkonnen in their own game yeah. at the point where you can ally with them? Because if a lot of times I feel like Harkonnen kind of doesn't like they, there can be games where they don't pan out basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're really strong in the early game, but what if there's no Alliance early on? And then later it's just kind of like, well, so-and-so stronger. I just feel like I would like to see a spacing guild Har- Harkonnen Alliance because I feel like it could be really effective. Um, but it really depends on where Harkonnen is at and if they yeah. are kind of the worthy one. And also, that's kind of worth saying here at the end of this section for all four of these. Look at the meta aspects of like, who is the stronger player just in general? That's probably the one you should go with if we're being yeah. honest. Like that's probably yeah. the number one factor is like, you're the spacing guild. You're a great ally to basically everybody. Even, I mean, Fremen is just like some weird notes to it, right? Yeah, right. Um, but it's not like you couldn't win a game being allied to Fremen. Um, because if you're allied to Fremen, that means nobody else is allied to spacing guild, which means nobody is getting uh, that the juicy, juicy spacing guild discount. Right. Yeah, the 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 breakdown, if we called Atreides plotty and Benny Gesserit Alliance was just like sneaky, I would call Harkonnen like tactical, which I feel like that's like the best thing you can be in Dune is just like once once you are able to do like really wise tactical maneuvers, you're in the best spot you can be in. Right. But obviously both of those other approaches have games that they do very, very well in. So it all just comes down to what where once that alliance can come up, where are you in the game and what what is actually possible? Right. Um, but let's let's take a step back then and and talk about that early bad start, because I think learning how to get the ball rolling as spacing guild is probably really, really important to them. Um, especially because I mean, there's, you know, when we talked about Atreides, we talked about like you hit the ground running and like make some plays and see, see what you can get out of it. Whereas guild feels like, Hey, make sure you have a plan going into this because you might need to make sure you hold on for the entire game. You may be aiming for that round 10 victory. And so your round one might be even more important to like not screw that up. So can you walk me through the spacing guild early game because it feels it feels way more trepidatious than everybody else's sure it i mean it is a little bit i don't want to overstate it too much though sure. I, I, like they're they're generally gonna do fine yeah but you could run into a situation where there's a lot of meta against you okay. you're 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 like jolnar yeah yeah so like you're kind of weak uh but you're gonna make a lot of money basically guaranteed <laughs> um and you have a target at, at the beginning of the game in round one you have five forces on tx ch um so you're not like the emperor where all of your forces are off planet there's something that people could strike at right at the beginning of the game yeah um and also we only start with five spice which is not that big a deal once we get to the movement phase but in that first bidding phase that's kind of a bummer yeah. Uh, you're not the worst. Uh, Fremen, I think, only start with three spice, which is a super big bummer for that first yeah. bidding phase. Um, so you're doing a little bit better than them. But also, don't take it for granted that like you might not actually make that much money from from uh, shipping that yeah. first round. So if you spend all five of your spice on cards, that might be the only thing you do. So you got to be careful. 
um, there's kind of, I think, a balancing act with Space and Guild of like, we want to win a card if we can, but if we have to pay too much for it, we might as well wait till the next bidding phase where we can yeah. maybe be more dominant. Yeah, you're going to make money in the first rounds phase, maybe, most likely. So why squander all your cash on a card you might not even use round one is the yes. way it feels to me. Like you, I, To me, it feels like, yeah, I would like a card, but I'm probably going to have a really good chance of getting a card next round. Yeah. So I might as well wait it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we need to we need to start building the hand, um, but let's be careful. Yeah. Um, what's interesting uh, to note: this isn't necessarily around one thing, but it it is kind of fair to say that if you're playing with an emperor that you feel like is going to be really aggressive early game, uh, any money you give to the emperor just comes back to you, right? right you're giving right. The, the emperor the money in the bidding phase; they give it back to you in the uh, in the movement phase. So kind of like try and read people um, that first yeah. round. Yeah. Uh, and let other players move like first. Uh, we're definitely going to, we're probably going to go last in the first round. I think it's fair yeah. to say. Um, and like, see what they do. They're spending habits. What, you know, what are they, are they going for some like early aggressive stuff? That's almost good because then you're going to get some money and then you have more options basically going into the next round. Um, I would say your likelihood of going for some sort of early game victory is pretty low. It would require, I think, some pretty crazy misplay. But it mm -hmm. is possible um, if people are just like not, you know, not making it, uh, just not doing things that make sense uh, right. and, and spending a lot of money in that first round of, uh, of shipping. Uh, yeah. Also, remember that you do, you do not make money um, from the Fremen when it comes to shipping and movement. So you might as well not like don't don't think about them. Don't factor them into this. Right. Um, so there's really two scenarios I feel like that are worth noting, uh, when it comes to the shipping and movement phase for the first round. Uh, the first one is like, is someone trying to make a play for your stronghold because they're going for an early game rush or something? Um, and I would say in this case, uh, if it isn't for the win, I wouldn't worry about it. I would leave. Uh, yeah. you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to start your game, uh, like with like some sort of like, oh, I'm no, I'm going to stand and fight for this yeah. one stronghold, like you're you're probably not going to win the fight because uh, I bet if somebody's making a play for it, it's either Emperor or maybe Harkonnen, uh, and you're you're probably not winning those fights. Uh, yeah. So don't worry about that. Um, and also, I think something worth uh, noting is that if someone like for some reason doesn't make a play for some spice, you should go get it. Yeah. Um, but you are you are not uh, a scrappy. No. Spice it's only if it's person. been left completely empty, like we said yeah. earlier. Yeah. You you just a, a bit ago you offhand mentioned something, and I just really wanted to call attention to it. Mm -hmm. It's like my least favorite thing in the Dune rulebook, and it's the fact that the Fremen doesn't pay you because of the ridiculous technicality that they're not shipping from off planet. And I get that if you really are aware of the theme of everything that's going on, that that's a pretty easy thing to remember. Mm -hmm. But in the rules, it's literally just like one extra word added into the sentence of the Fremen's abilities that would dictate that. There is nothing that calls attention to that, where I did not know that that was the case for like the first three or four games of Dune that I played. That's funny. It, 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 it's just a thing that completely passed me up. And then we played on TTS one time and they were like, oh, no, 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 no. Fremen doesn't pay Spacing Guild. And it was like, wait, what? Why? Why not? I don't understand. And that's just like first on the list of the many weird technicalities that Dune well, and, presents but you it's, with. It's thematic. Why would it they is? Pay it this absolutely is. I get it. I get that it's thematic. But if you don't know the universe of Dune that well, it, you just kind of. 
that that is lost on you in a very in a very major way. I mean, Matt, that would be like if I paid Uber to go from my bedroom <laughs> to my living room. You know what I mean? That's that's what you're suggesting. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call up Uber and be like, I need a car to go. I'm gonna make uh you know some eggs. I don't need a car for that. Well, fine, fine. It's it's beautiful thematics, and what an amazingly well worded uh, design rule book and everything. In. Yes, yeah. very good, very good. <laughs> Let's talk about their weaknesses overall. Um, the, the designers of Dune or or the <laughs> <laughs> Space and Guild. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Oh, I liked that. No, no, that was we, good. we 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 adore the designers. We just don't right. love their use of language. <laughs> right. So weakness wise, um, we've kind of already covered some of this, but yeah, we've got bad leaders. Um, we're not going to have that many cards early game. We have no combat abilities, uh, and your economy is tied to player shipping. So if things get dicey, you will make less money. Yeah. Um, I would say Emperor is basically guaranteed to make some money at the beginning of the game, and you are not, which is kind of the difference there. I feel yeah. like, uh, but also Emperor needs that money because they they're going to have to ship everybody onto the planet. Right. Um, so yeah, I would say watch the Emperor early on is important like see get an idea of like are they an aggressive emperor are they gonna wait if they wait that's kind of more annoying for you um and yeah so the of these weaknesses the biggest deal to me seems like the leaders thing everything else kind of feeds off of the fact that you don't have leaders to back you up Mm -hmm. right anybody else can have a weakness but it's like yeah but i still got fade ralpha i'll be all right or whatever like that there's always good leaders to back up like mistakes or, or something to just m- to turn the tide of that battle whereas you're never you're almost never turning the tide of a battle right with your leaders which means you are doing it by like like it was said earlier i mean you are kind of a brute force faction mm-hmm. um and and so that that kind of emphasizes all of the other weaknesses because there's nothing there to protect it right yeah I, and i mean don't lose don't lose that five. Yeah. The second oh you gosh. lose that five, oh my god, you have. If no... anything, that's also a scary prospect of we're putting that out there. But like other people, if they know that they can grab your five, like if their five, if, if your five is in their starting hand, that's a good one to keep because if you can, if you can knock out the spacing guilds five, they've got almost nothing left. Yeah. Like they're they're dead in the water at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, like. I was uh, playing as Harkonnen in that that game that's on YouTube right now that you can watch and go watch it. Um, and I had that I had that traitor <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I drew that, uh, which bad. was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about how we win. How do we do this? Um, how are we actually going to make this happen? Um, it's not. It's actually I just worded it as if it's hard. It's it's. I don't think it's that hard. Um, <laughs> you're basically set up, uh, especially in like a newer group, to take advantage of any misplay. Basically, yeah. I think the 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 first game I played as Spacing Guild, I did exactly that because we were. It was like uh, the first game we we played. Yeah. And uh, they just there just was a point where they screwed up and they didn't count right. things up and they didn't realize that I was going to go after and then I was right. able to make like a play. Uh, for the win, basically out of nowhere. Yeah, I think in the first couple games of Dune, Spacing Guild feels like this absolute non, like unstoppable dominating presence. In your right. first, like just when you're first learning all the mechanics and you're you are bound to make mistakes, it always feels like Spacing Guild is there on the back end, just taking advantage of everything you've done wrong. Right. Um. One one thing that I find fascinating that I haven't actually seen uh come up that many 
times in games. And I think it's because our meta just hasn't developed to this point. Um, but don't let the table make you the policeman. Um, don't let the table be like, all right, well, Spacing Guild, uh, so-and-so is about to win, so you need to do oh, something yeah. about this. Yeah. What you could do instead, which is maybe kind of mean, is force other players to stop the winners. Yeah. So you can be like, no, I'm going to take my movement now, right. uh, knowing, knowing full last. well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, w- I would say don't let people use your ability against you. Always stay in control. Yeah. Mostly because... Like we've established over and over, if there's anything that may, that I want you guys to walk away from with this is you're not good at fighting. So we got to be choosy about when we fight. Um, so if other players are telling you, you have to fight here, um, yeah. make them do it because odds are they're going to be better at fighting. And also you need them to wear themselves down so yeah. that you can actually beat them. Um, also, this is kind of a deal-making faction um, again, our meta, I feel like has not progressed to yeah, that point where deal making is huge, but this is the, this is the faction that is most set up for that type of, play. well, and you got to think about it in terms of the other players, right? Like in the Atreides guide, we talked about like, there is an opportunity there to sell information. Well, the main person you're going to sell that information to is the spacing guild. They're the ones that are there to buy information. And, right. and that goes for, you have to think about every component from that aspect. Like what can those other factions offer you that you can buy? It's not really, it's deal makey almost in a one way direction. More right. or less. I mean, it's just what all can you take advantage of your extra money to get? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think kind of the final note uh, for Spacing Guild in general is never forget about your alternate w- winning condition. Right. Um, and if you're getting pretty deep into a game, it's probably worth considering going for because I feel like Spacing Guild, Spacing Guild is somebody going for the win outright. Obviously, there's some problems there. Spacing Guild trying to play just spoiler and make the game go long. You are yep. so set up to do that. Yeah. Just yeah. clog up those strongholds with just nothing burger <laughs> fights, yeah. you know, and make it where, uh, and especially if you're allied with Benny Jesuit, oh my God, you guys could just like, you guys could get to the final round and be like, all right, no one, everyone's going to have to reorganize completely if they want to even go for the win. And right. they're going to have to all coordinate in order to do it. You can totally imagine situations like that. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't be afraid to go for the other uh, condition and try and win. Uh, now, uh, although be careful though, because Benny Jesuit uh, could always try, or actually, can they steal that one from you? I don't think they, what is the, what is the final ruling on that? If Benny Jesuit predicts, that it oh, goes no, to the they end. Can't. They, no, they can't. No, it doesn't. Yeah, they don't get that. You have to actually win in round ten for Benny Jesuit's prediction to do it. To anything. be right. Yeah. So if you're okay. if you're on a team with Benny Jesuit, it's because Benny Jesuit has given up on like they've already missed that. You know, they did. Oh, Fremen oh, in yeah, round yeah. three. That passed. All right, time to ally with Space and Guild. Let's right. let's ride this thing out. <laughs> right. What was okay? Just just real quick, kind of casually. Um, in Rex, though, wasn't it the other way? I, I, you know, I honestly don't. We only played Rex like three times, but it, it, to my memory of it was that it was the other way. But we mm. could have just been misplaying it. I don't, the official rules, maybe it's different, but I, I felt like you could, you could stall out the victory with, with the extra and, and win with them. But yeah. that, that could be a hundred percent wrong. That's just how I think we played it in our few games. But extra also never won in either of those scenarios. So it right. didn't, it didn't come up. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm going to try and not stall out this 
guide yeah. um, in order for me to win. I'm just going to go for the victory right here now. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's that's what I got. You know, that's I. This I is think this is the intro. I think it's it's good, and and I think uh, there's there's nothing that honestly there's nothing that tricky about spacing guild at the end. No. Like we put a lot of effort on saying like, hey, you're not good at fighting, but it's like. Yeah, you're not great at fighting, but also like you're probably more or less going to be okay for most of the game. Just right. like don't don't whiff it. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I think my ideal situation would be to not fight first, to to avoid fighting for a while and then as the big tough boys kind of wear each other out, yeah. then I come in and just overwhelm with right. uh, with just sheer numbers. So yeah, let's. Uh, we got some errata to do. Though. We got oodles of errata. Yeah, uh, the first stuff to get into is from. Boy, it's just from so long ago. Uh, <laughs> we did the Atreides uh, thing. We actually called it a different thing. Like, we're, we're now in this thing where we're calling them learning so-and-so. But we didn't do that with Atreides. So if you're looking for it, it's episode 110. Uh, but in that Atreides episode, uh, we talked a lot about the Emperor and their ability to give spice from the reserves. Uh, and... Uh, I we, we weren't sure on the rulings and basically Corbeck Jane was able to get a response from Gale Force 9 and was able to back us up on kind of how some of these things work. I'm going to just read this first question from Corbeck Jane to Gale Force 9. Can the Emperor player give spice from his reserves at any time to his allies? This should be a simple yes or no. And Gale Force 9 said no. They would only be able to give spice in the bidding phase and also the revival phase as part of their alliance rules. So the way Gale Force 9 interprets that idea of giving spice is when you are paying on behalf of them in the bidding phase. That is, in in essence, you giving them money to then pay for the thing. It's a really weird way to have to think about it and not very intuitive, but that is kind of the final answer on that, uh, on that approach. Yes. Um, let's talk about number two. Can a player speak secretly by yeah. whispering or going into another room with another player who is not their ally? This is a big deal in our Atreides episode because we were yeah. trying to figure out what, in what way can Atreides use all of this information? How sneaky and secret can they be? Uh, so in the answer to this one, can you, you know, can you talk with people that aren't your ally? Yes, as on page 12 of the rulebook, under the bribery heading, players who are not members of the same alliance can make any kind of verbal deals between one another. Once made, these deals and bribes must be stated aloud and must be honored. A player cannot renege on a deal or bribe. Spice can be a part of that bribe or deal. So essentially, uh, you can you can kind of just say anything. I've even seen people taken as far as like you can you can show people cards. I didn't, that may have been a thing that's changed over time. I don't know, but like you can be really really wheeling and dealing with information as the Atreides. Yeah, so this kind of opens up, you know, if you listen to the Atreides episode, there's a part where we're like, oh, it's kind of tricky to get, um, to to share your secret information. I think it's still mm-hmm. tricky, uh, to be fair. Like, because this is somebody paying us, like, some spice yeah. to know something that could, they could just be like, oh, it's worthless. You know what I mean? Like, and right. now I've just given Atreides a spice. But, this is how that would go. And I think the reason that we did not initially play this way is because of how the Alliance rules are written. Like they're written as if that's the only way that you can do secret conversations. So yeah, kind of, kind of weird, but we can confirm now that you can, that this, that this is the etiquette. You know what? I'm going to say this about the Dune rule book in general. (laughs) Um, It, it has a lot of, it, 
the way that it's set up is uh, solid, uh, but what it doesn't describe, and this might be, just be a conscious choice, is a lot of like etiquette stuff. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. we're kind of used to now with Twilight Imperium. A lot of that etiquette stuff is spelled out. What I mean by that is like non-binding deals, binding right. deals, like transactions, like a lot of that that meta over the over the table stuff is actually built into the yeah. book. And it feels like Dune is a little more like, oh, I don't know, you figure it out. Yeah, it seriously does come from a different time where I I genuinely think if you ask Bill, I mean this this answer came from a guy named Gareth who we've met uh, at at gen con and he he works at gale force nine if we asked bill eberly this question he'd be like i don't know whatever you want to do man right. sounds cool <laughs> like that that's their approach to this kind of stuff this this meta stuff is like i don't know man that's the meta game you figure it out it's right. that's up to you right. they weren't putting those kinds of rules into this so right. it, it leaves the modern gamer some some confusion basically which is what we're kind of always butting up against uh our next one is from uh seville and it is it, with regards to selling treachery card information to players. Uh, I've seen it argued that because the Atreides can write notes, they could write down the card name and share the note with people. Because this takes a while, the shorthand is just to show the card to people. It's not a secret conversation, as in it doesn't take place away from the table. Though in future FAQs, it would be nice of Gale Force 9 to define what the secret conversations consist of. So this That's is just con- where, yeah, it's consistent with the same thing. That we're right, we're in about. that same world. But essentially, what people are realizing is, like, they might as well just show the cards which is yeah. something we were pretty adverse to initially uh which is the opposite of my opinion on showing cards in twilight imperium funnily enough but and dune it just felt like the rules were reinforcing this idea of like no man you don't get to show anything it's all about the lies you tell but at the end of the day it, it really is just like nah, just just sneak the card over to them let them see it and let them deal with the information i i, I... I really I included this one uh, specifically because of that last part, though. Yeah, it would be nice if Gale Force Nine defined right. <laughs> what a secret conversation actually is, because yeah. to me, that is a secret conversation. Like, yeah. So th- right. I feel like we're kind of at a point now where, and this is good. This is why we do our show is to like kind of find these little like stress points, these points where it's like ah, uh, things are a little like confused here. Yeah. Um, but. Hey, Gale Force Nine, can we? Can what is the secret conversation then? Like we, <laughs> what we are we doing we, here? Yeah, what's the, the word secret? I feel like I, I kind of get what the word secret means, you know? Right. Yeah, it's a secret. Yeah. Uh, hey, Hunter, we whiffed a big one. Should we say? Should we say it that way? Did, Did we, we whiff, whiff a, a big, big one? one? No, we didn't whiff a big one, but we oh, we we vastly undersold a big one. We're now moving into our. Harkonnen guide or Harkonnen guide it was just a couple weeks ago and in it I don't know Hunter give me the breakdown of how you felt about the Harkonnen Karama ability well I'll say this I underestimated it um I I said it was good I didn't say that it was the most powerful card in the game so Corbeck Jane says Harkonnen Karama is the most powerful use of the Karama maybe the most powerful card use in the whole game so yeah a little bit of a difference of opinion there I would say right Um, Uh, they go on to say even if your hand is already good you can make it even better by picking and choosing what cards you want and which ones you don't among a set of 12 cards and when you put it that way, it, I I kind of get where we're coming at this from, right? It's not just like, hey, um, we're swapping uh, cards I have around. some errata for Corbeck Jane's errata right now. Go ahead. Um, it's actually 11 cards because the 12th card is the Karama. Ooh, 
Oh, nice. That's so we're going to throw it out. I would get throw out the whole thing that you said one number slightly differently and we must burn you alive for it. Uh, hey, EAK1791 added to this point. Uh, they would like to add if you took their entire hand, you now know exactly what cards they have. I handily won a game by taking all four of a spacing guild, how uh, apt, uh, players' cards and giving them two worthless cards and a weapon that I had the defense for, a defense that I could get around, uh, and then I easily took the last stronghold that I needed from them. Yes. The point being, you are not only just like messing with cards from people, but much like an Atreides player, this is like your one opportunity to get some very, very real and raw information and also come out on top of it. I think that is by far the, the most clear-cut use of this being a very good ability. Mm-hmm. Because information is just such a big deal in this game, the ability to not only change the information, but know what you're giving back and what you've put into their hand to then kind of orchestrate a perfect attack situation is is pretty obviously a game winner. I mean, I, I think something, too, we've talked about a little bit about off-air, Hunter, is that obviously this is good, and I think the reason Dune players are especially very into it is in, in Twilight Imperium, uh, something that you get that you really only use to win the game is generally considered like, well, yes, that's a good ability, but like it doesn't maybe necessarily get you to the end, right? Like quantum data hub node is a tech for the Hakan that mm-hmm. if you have it very often can lead to you winning the game, but the sacrifices you take to get to that point are kind of tough. But in Dune, if you get the Karama and you can just hold on to it and you're, you're Harkonnen, you have eight cards. You probably have the real estate to hold on to a Karama all game. Uh, this can be a game winner. That's the part I Yeah, that's a big deal. You have a huge hand and it's not, it's not any skin off your back to keep a Karama in your hand. Yeah. So it's the best. It's super good. And now I would like (laughs) Arata on how it's actually not the best. Not 12. It's, it's actually, and it's also 11. It's 11. It's also 11. Well, and also like you, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're you're picking from eleven because he played the Karama card, and you can't. Yeah, uh, Hunter, sense. will you read this next errata because I refuse to give it breath. <laughs> oh, this is a great one. This is from Evernoob. <laughs> this is the best errata we've ever gotten. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, by the way, don't mention the South as the Southern Hemisphere because actually the North is the polar region in the middle of the map. So, um, so what happened was. Matt referred to and the he's southern wrong. portion he's, of the map. No, no, shut up, Matt. You actually don't get to talk oh for gosh. this period because you're being <laughs> you're being put on blast. Evernoob <laughs> is sit down, Matt, because we're gonna put you in your place. Um, so the way that the the map is, it that the, it's the North Pole is the center. Um, so you're actually not even really seeing the Southern Hemisphere, I guess. Um, <laughs> shut up, shut Matt, Matt. Um, we we've, we've got you. Uh, so yeah, don't say south because uh, that's uh, I don't know what hemisphere that is, but it's not the southern hemisphere. So please don't say that. <sighs> All right, I, we're we're out of this headspace, and it is time now. Thank you, Evernoob. Uh, thank yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, it's time to get into uh, the next. God, we have so much more to do. Um, we got tournament updates, so we're now switching gears out of Dune world and back into Twilight Imperium. This is now the old show. This is the this is a this is like a TI episode from a year ago. Um, all right, <laughs> we have like five games we're gonna try to cover here, and a lot of these are games that um, either Hunter and I like I, were present for some of it, but not most of it, or not at all. Um, 
And so some of this is relying on the moderators in those games, uh, uh, accounts of what happened. Um, and I want to use that opportunity to also say we love our moderators so much and they deserve Thank you. every Please. good thing that could ever be given to a human being. Uh, Jefferson, Kate, Celia, Milty, Mantis, T.G. Welch are starting to step into all this stuff too. We've, we've just got this amazing team that uh, I'm, I'll say it a million times. We would not be doing this tournament this year if not for these volunteer moderators. Oh, Aviator. I almost left out Aviator. Um, but without these moderators, like we wouldn't have had the time to do all of these games with just like Hunter and I. It right. would have been an impossible There's no task. Way. There's literally so, no way. So the, the, this juicy tournament content you're getting, you owe all of it to them. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into game number 13. We covered 12 games last time. And game number 13 was... Uh, had some really spicy stuff. I'm just going to, with each one, we're going to just break down who won it right from the get-go. And I want to give you kind of the breakdown of who was, what what factions were there. And then uh, we'll have sort of a, a great juicy play of the week from each one. Uh, so Shua was our 13th winner as the Yin Brotherhood in the best one, which has kind of yeah. proven to be sort of a, just a thing that happens. <laughs> Yin in the best one does it's, all I'm right. I'm telling you, Yin is like Extra was last year. Yeah, it's there's true. something about this map that is really singing to Yin. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so we're seeing we're seeing kind of above average Yin play. I feel. Yeah. Like. Uh. So uh, the other people on this map were Soul in Speakeasy, uh, Isarl in Warbucks, That's a weird L1 one. in Little Brother, uh, Extra in Turtles, Mentak in Gashfather, and then of course Yin in Best One. Uh, it's worth noting. This was our fifth upset of the tournament from last year's finalists. Uh, finalist Mage was actually playing under a different handle, so he actually kind of blew under the radar. He was playing a speaker for the Lazax, but uh, Mage got knocked out, so that's our fifth finalist down for the count uh, in this tournament. Online Magi is the only one that made it to the, the semis. the only Magi going into the semis, which is pretty fun. So uh, here's what Jefferson wrote. To set the stage, Soul in Speakeasy, played by Melinda BT, uh, goes off to a screaming hot start by having Warfare, Gravity Drive, and pulling unexpected action Ooh. all in round one. He not only filled out his own slice round one, but took Berglur to four, and Exxon Dalbutha in round one. Exxon Dalbutha is on the complete other side of the map. He got into Daddy Warbucks' oh, slice. Oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> this. This is, yeah, I, this I is the most wild part. round one I've ever seen. He then waltzed onto Mechatol Rex to claim the Custodian's token in round two. So he did. He took four extra planets round one and still was able to take Mechatol Rex like first thing round two. Uh, he does this in part by being buddies with the L1Z1X in purple, Mage, uh, and L1 agreed to not gobble up his whole slice while he was off gallivanting across the galaxy. Uh, fast forward to the agendas after round three, and public execution comes up while Soul is the speaker and tied for the lead with Yin. Everyone at the table, except for L1, votes for Soul to be executed, and he starts to go on tilt. He lashes out at L1, who is the only person who voted for him to, to, to instead execute uh, Yin, and in the same action, Soul refuses to return l1 ceasefire which l1 understood to be a temporary trade a non-binding deal has now been broken between soul and l1 and l1 is not happy i remember this um agenda phase because yeah yin was tied for the lead but everyone was just so terrified by the crazy stuff that soul had pulled off that and it was and you know it's soul so you kind of always look at them and go well they're in the lead they're clearly like winning we have to stop them and i believe uh yin actually had the speaker token so the 
public execution would have been more potent on Yin, and instead they chose Sol. I might be remembering that backwards, but regardless, uh, Sol was not pleased that they were getting, you know, all the punches and Yin wasn't getting hit basically at all. No one was messing with Yin. Uh, we'll clearly see where that feeds into later. Uh, Sol takes Warfare, last pick, and decides to spend his round throwing everything at X-Chop through the beta wormhole and abandons his slice to the point where Conquer the Weak comes up. Conquer Weak is uh, the take someone else's home system. And Sol's home system has no units in it except for a lone destroyer and a space dock. Oh, Sol boy. realizes that Isarl can easily take his home system through the uh, beta wormhole and tries to make a deal with the L1Z1X to effectively guard Sol's home system in exchange for swapping support for the thrones. L1 is reticent to make another non-binding deal with the player that has broken one already. Extra offers his support for the throne to L1Z1X to stay out of the whole thing and to let Isarl and Sol resolve it on their own. Isarl offers his trade agreement as well to L1. After some complicated negotiations, L1 appears to be taking Sol's offer. He makes the terms explicit that as soon as L1 activates Sol's home system, Sol would trade his support for the throne to the L1Z1X. After confirming it happens, L1 activates Soul's home system and gets Soul's support immediately. After getting Soul's support for ex in exchange for activating Soul's home system, L1 asks Extra and Asarl if their offers are still on the table. Their offers meaning uh, the offers to have Soul not interfere with this. So the whole thing is predicated on L1, please come defend me, and everyone else at the table is saying, don't even bother with it, and Soul. After getting the support for the throne, but before moving any ships in, decides, okay, now I've been paid for that. Now does everybody else still want me to not do anything about it? Because you can now pay me to not move any ships in and block this. Uh, so seeing the double cross, Isarl does give his trade agreement in exchange for the potentially uh, strong possibility of scoring Conquer the Weak on Jord. And Xcha gives his support for the throne to L1 in respect for the epic hustle payback double cross <laughs> that L1 just pulled off. This is approximately three hours after Soul had originally double crossed L1 when he was tilted from being publicly executed. Uh, so basically, yeah, then Isarl was able to move in. And later, after Soul's home system was taken by Isarl, Soul actually ends up selling the ceasefire of L1s that he's been holding on to all game to Isarl, which then prevents L1 from later trying to score Conquer the Weak, which blocks them out of their own contention. And the Yin Brotherhood that's been sitting out of this conflict the whole game, literally Yin, I mean, uh, Soul, L1, Isarl, and Xcha have been like fighting in some way or another for the entire past like seven hours, and then they all block each other out. And Yin does that Yin thing where we just come out of nowhere and and have it, and no one's been touching their stuff in the best one. Right. Uh, so so and and they made a special point to mention that this kind of fed directly into their play style, which is uh, be, being the reasonable guy at the table who sounds like the table's best friend in comparison to the person who's being so unreasonable. And in this table, they had someone who was actually being kind of unreasonable, uh, like really <laughs> trying to tank the game. So he just got to sit there and like, Hey guys, don't worry about me. I'm just doing my thing. Right. So uh, a very convincing win uh, from Shua, but a very wonderful, wonderful play from uh, mage who we will miss having in the semifinals. Yeah. So mage was playing as L one, right. Mm -hmm. And all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool game. Uh, very, very, very fun. I, I, I want to call out uh, some of the other people in that game. Uh, Jefferson was in that game playing as yeah. the extra. Yeah, our moderator uh, Jefferson. 
Asgard. He's the one who got dunked on by Soul for the whole game. He took it yeah. in stride too. He was he was a very jovial person considering his whole game was getting just thrown into the toilet. Yeah. Um and Asgard Asgard won Helm yeah. um was playing as Soul. Um and uh hats hats off to, I mean, I think in a kind of a meta way, you, like maybe learn some lessons about angering uh people basically or double crossing people. But yeah. That early, Melinder, that early Melinder, play. Melinder BT was soul. Uh, oh, oh, Asgard, wait, who? Melinder BT. L and oh, Melinder I'm sorry. BT. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, well, Melinder Mel- BT. Uh, that <laughs> that soul opening was Is amazing. Uh, very, very good. That yeah. was some great, great, great play. A beautiful ballet. Yeah. Cool uh, let's let's move on to game number fourteen, which their username is crazy, but we've been told we can call them Cusa. It's U W S N Y C U S A, whatever. Uh, but they <laughs> whatever <laughs> they won as Soul in uh, Speakeasy. Uh, so that's another that's kind of another trend that we've been seeing in terms of victories. Um, but it, also at the table was a Barony in Turtles Paradise, Hakan and Little Brother, Isarl in Daddy Warbucks, L One Z One X and Gashfather Extra in the best one. This one I don't have nearly as many notes on, uh, but suffice it to say that this was a very, very dealy soul. This was if it, like okay, Schroeder has been knocked out of the tournament. This is the second coming of Schroeder, mm-hmm. is what Cusa is. Uh, he he got an early trade convoys off of Hakan, which gave him the opportunity to be a huge deal maker. He sold military support. He said around fifteen times. Uh, they were never when other people played trade he was never refreshed for free but he instead always opted to go ahead and spend the command counter to refresh commodities and Hakan who was also being locked out of trade uh, the two of them just traded every single round no matter what and basically in the end of the game it and like the two of them were the powerhouses that couldn't be stopped and he was just able to eke it out ahead of Hakan so it was that it was that <laughs> Janor slash Schroeder like build everybody up, wheel and deal, do all sorts of crazy stuff and come out on top of everybody else. Um so a pretty a pretty decisive victory I would say from Cusa. Yeah, and also cool. we have to mention uh Cusa is over on the Tabletop Simulator Discord and has been putting in a lot of effort in getting split session games run. So if you're someone who can't sit down to play a six or in the tournament's situation 12 hour long game of Twilight Imperium uh, Cusa has been organizing games where they pre-schedule out a bunch of different allotted times to all get together and play a game over sessions. We've, we've actually adopted this strategy in our Goodian Brotherhood, and we've started playing games, you know, for like two hours every Saturday instead of trying to get it all in one big block of time. So please go check out. There's a whole separate channel on the Tabletop Simulator Discord called Split Session Multi-Day Games. Uh, and if you want to get in there, like add your name to the list, and you you can have way more opportunities to play. So yeah, it's just a really great effort by him, and, and we're glad that he's in in the in the semis with with being such a good uh you know person in the community yeah let's talk about that next game yeah so the next one is a win from hakan in Lil brother which actually turns out is one of the rare wins in Lil brother Lil mm-hmm. brother is underperforming a little bit right now Lil, Lil brother and turtles paradise yeah is not ha- doing so great uh turtles paradise i kind of get but Lil brother actually performed pretty well in testing of this map and so it's actually a bit surprising to see it kind of uh, slowing down so much but uh, we had soul and speakeasy again Hakan and little brother necro in daddy warbucks which is a scary necro slice l1 in gash father extra in turtles paradise and ghosts of creus in the best one uh, this one had some notable stuff uh, necro took leadership 
the first three rounds of the game, which meant basically everyone else was completely starved for command counters all game. I mean, a Necro with leadership and then probably maybe also buying some off a tech each round. I don't know if they did or not, but that's like a ton of command counters for Necro and basically none for anybody else. Uh, but my my recollection is that this game was very tight, like the entire time. This is one of those games where just like everybody is all scoring kind of together. And, and by the end of the game, they were all in one solid pack. And Kate, the moderator, sent me this little summation. Uh, the first thing I remember about game 15 is something that didn't happen. First ban was Yin. Second ban was Asarl. Third ban was Barony. Not a top-tier faction, as everyone is expecting. Then a discussion happened. What if someone conjured... Uh, conjectured no one banned any top factions while they were discussing the possibility i got pretty excited thinking about how different the game could be compared to all the others but in the end uh she believes it was toaster said he would not go along with it so if they they all fell in line with banning nalu jolnar and sar this meant soul got into the game and speakeasy this was actually one of the earlier times that soul actually got into speakeasy but we saw that happen a lot more uh, after that. Um, and Hakan made it into Little Brother. From the very beginning of the game, I remember there being a lot of pressure on Soul. Even still, they took Custodian's token on round two, which ensured the heat uh, stayed on them. In the first agenda phase, Necro was elected for the Shard of the Throne and promptly drew a repeal law, so that was a fun little move to secure a point from behind. Then, in round five, we had an agenda phase where we saw four agendas. Uh, they, they, they drew a seat of the Empire, which was vetoed, and then a demilitarized zone, which was voted on, and then research team biotic, which Soul paid extra to quash, which is kind of wild to me to hear that research team biotic would get quashed, uh, but Soul paid to support for the throne to extra to quash it and then the fourth was minister of sciences but it was an extremely close game and in the last round every single player had a path to victory and in the end the only player no one could end up stopping was hakan who had diplo in their home system uh, which is just you know that's sort of the math of how diplo has seemed to work out it was the case last year too diplo in the final round by far outperforms all of the other strategy cards uh, yeah. for, for, for securing victory yeah, super cool, super cool game. Um, lots of, uh, I, I want to point out, because I, t- I talked to Luke a little bit about this one, yeah. um, that Conquer the Week had come out, I believe, or no, actually, Conquer the Week hadn't come out, which actually makes this even more impressive. This this game ended with a everyone jumping on different people's home systems yeah. stuff, basically. Right. Several players' home systems got, got um, taken, uh, and I think Luke was like third or fourth down on the line of like people... Um, who yeah. would win? Uh, and because Luke took um, diplomacy, they were just able to tie it up. Right. Right. Yep. Um, I would talk about game sixteen, but it was one I was not present for, and I haven't gotten notes on. So we're actually kicking that one down the road a little bit. We will we will definitely cover it in a future episode. But if you were in game sixteen, which was the win by Axel as the Barony Aletnev in Daddy Warbucks, please hit me or Hunter up on Discord and send us your take yeah. on that game because we 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 want to cover it. We just we don't actually quite have the information uh, that we need to to give some coverage to it. I will just to just to give the stats uh, some help uh that one also had speakeasy with necro little brother had emirates of hakan the l1z1x were in uh turtles paradise the yin brotherhood were in gash father and the sardak nor were in the best one but uh any players from that game please send us your your notes on that one and we'll include it next week i will say warbucks has been doing a lot better yeah, i was worried they, about they were warbucks. underperforming for a while but it's yeah. really turned around to now be the winningest uh slice yeah it's, lately it's completely it's changed up um 
So we've only got one game left to cover here, and uh, it is game number 17, which is our first Isarl win. Uh, Isarl drastically underperformed last year and has been also underperforming this year. Probably the biggest disparity between our tier list and like actual performance. I think you and right. I continue to like overrate Isarl. Um, even when this year we kind of like said, eh, they, they don't win that much. I think they're still doing even worse than like what we right. you know, give them credit figured. for. Um, so, uh, the, the, this game also saw soul and speakeasy again, uh, L one in little brother embers of Muat in turtles paradise. One of our few Muat games, Barney Aletnev in daddy Warbucks is and Gashfather and X cha in the best one. <clears throat> and this one's got another long Jefferson. When he types up his reports, uh, is really thorough and it's very good. It's very helpful because, uh, there's, there's details in there that I'm always incapable of remembering to this like level. So here, here's Jefferson's report on game number 17. Game 17 was a dance between Isarl in Gashfather and Extra in the best one. Both tied at nine, both with action phase secrets, Extra with turn their fleets to dust, and Isarl with destroy their greatest ship. Isarl could have won on his first action by throwing everything in range, uh, his a uh, flagship fighters, three cruiser twos, etc., at Muat's final war sun and depleted remaining fleet. The war sun was only flanked by three fighters. But Isarl appeared to be awaiting for Isarl time, i.e. when everyone had passed, to make that move. Um, so they spent most of the round stalling. While Asarl continues to stall, including stealing an unexpected action from Extra via Magion, uh, Muat throws his war son at a reasonably fortified Mechatol with a barony uh, non-Euclidean shielding dread fleet in a somewhat last-ditch effort. There were no Muat survivors. There are now no other flagships or war sons on the board except for Extra's in the extra home system linked in with the PDS network. Isarl now needs to find a different way to win. So that stalling ends up biting him in the butt, basically. Uh, people continue to take runs at Mechatol, believing that Barony, holding diplomacy from Daddy Warbucks, is going to win the game. L1Z1X throws a relatively small fleet at the damaged Barony fleet, with two Barony PDS on Mechatol and two extra PDS on Bearing Lord of Four. If Barony scores a couple hits, Extra could potentially shoot at the incoming fleet to score turn their fleets to dust. Uh, the Barony cannons completely whiff, so the two extra PDS shots can't destroy enough to destroy their fleets. Uh, so they instead just decline to shoot at all. So now, Isarl and Extra continue to try to stall each other out, to which Isarl replies he's not going to take any meaningful action until he's the last player left. Extra's only chance now to score turn their fleets to dust is by activating Mechatol Rex and en and rolling <laughs> lights out on his PDS his three PDS shots to kill the three remaining Barony hit points in the system. So Extra activates Mechatol. Extra puts on an act like he forgets all of his stuff was locked down and goes, well, might as well shoot. PDS <laughs> produce only one hit. Since Isarl stole unexpected action from Extra, Extra's only remaining out is for Isarl to run into the buzzsaw of Extra PDS. Extra continues to stall until Extra passes. It is now finally Isarl time. Isarl agonizes over the board state and potentially losing in the status phase, but still passes. Status phase comes up. Muat can't score. Barony gets to eight, and Asarl, in the status phase with construction, scores establish a perimeter to win the game instead. 
Whoa. So kind of a wild one of those ones where it's the hot potato is almost like in reverse instead of everybody looking for the leader. It's like we, we had this happen to us a lot last year, Hunter. I don't know if you'll remember many of the details of them, but those games where we were see, you know, we, we have the game master vision. We can see everybody's cards. Right, right. And we see how one person can get a win. But then one thing changes on the board. And it's like, oh, wait, but that that gives this person a chance. And that just keeps moving around all over the place until like we can't even keep track of who's potentially going to win anymore. That's kind of the vibe I get of this one. It's just like, is it Isaro? Is it extra? It's back. It's fourth. It's back. And, and just you know finally <laughs> there was also something that happened in here and i don't know the exact play but in this game there was something extra did with a trade writer in the agenda phase if that extra player can send us that i will read it next week for sure there's something very tricky they did that i don't have the exact details on um i also want to shout out to john uh who oh was yeah in, who was in this game uh john uh played with me when i needed somebody for my hunter donson fan club stream uh, this month, and yeah. uh, he wrecked my game. <laughs> John John is also Celia's husband. Yes. So, uh, he, while Celia has been moderating hours upon hours upon hours of games, John has been holding down the fort at home. <laughs> so, John, just as much service uh, is due to you, much just as much of this tournament is owed to you for your, you know, keeping Celia's uh, life on the rails while right. she dedicates way too much time to this stupid thing we're doing. Right. Oh my god, 13 hour games. That's been yeah. a thing. It's, um, yeah. Do you want to talk about stats now? I do. I don't want to go crazy. You know, we're not going like in depth. We'll save that stuff for like the final wrap up, but just we're this is we're like basically at the halfway point now. So it seemed worth it to kind of cover just like what are we looking at? So some of the noteworthy stats I have here, uh, just to talk about the draft first, is uh Winu is the only faction that continues to be completely unpicked and unbanned. Uh so it has never once been banned, but it has also not been picked at all. Yep. Uh, there's there's a few other factions that have been never banned. Um, let's see. Bans, zero. Arborek has never been banned. Muat has never been banned. Sardak Nor has never been banned. But they have all had at least, you know, one or two picks oh, where, uh, amongst where them. Oh, where is this, by the way? The, uh, the Your stats page. It is in the Discord, in the Patreon tournament chat. It, you can find it pinned in there. Uh, there's a tw- SCPT 2020 prelims map stats. Any This is public. This is all public information. Anybody can pull up these stats and, and take a look at them. Um, the only other notable thing, and we didn't cover it today, but we actually have had a Clan Asar game finally. Uh, up to this point so far, Clan Asar had been banned in every single game, but uh, we'll cover next week the game that Sar was finally not banned in. Whoa, Sar! I didn't even know that. I'm finding yeah. that out right now that Sar yeah, actually made Sar it into, made it a, into game. a game. Um, wow. Best one, best one remains the top pick uh, for Slice, and Speakeasy remains the bottom pick. 16 sixth picks for speakeasy 13 first picks for best one uh in the middle it does get kind of messy except for little brother as fifth pick and surprisingly actually daddy warbucks has more picks as its fourth pick instead of third so that order of going uh gash father into daddy warbucks is getting kind of thrown off pretty often actually um so then just just last little fun fun nuggets uh Soul obviously banned often, but very, very often as one of the last bands. Soul and Jolnar are almost always that fifth or sixth band. So everybody has been continually pushing that off onto somebody else to deal with. Um, and picks wise, uh, per slice, we've seen six 
souls in Speakeasy, and that is the most we've seen of any one faction in any one slice, uh, followed up only by Asarl Tribes in Gashfather, which we've had five games and only one victory from. So wow. maybe people need to shake up their idea of Asarl in Gashfather. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and so I, I, that's about it on on drafts. I don't know. Let's see. Per- Performance-wise, uh, Daddy Warbucks does pretty well. Um, they're 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 scooping up there a barony of Letnev in Daddy Warbucks, which is not a combination I would have thought would work. Uh, but they have an average score of nine point three in Daddy Warbucks. It might be a situation where it's good. just win more. The win more ness right. of it is it's so much money everything. that you just can't be stopped. Um, but let's go over just some game stats too. Then. Um, Gashfather Part 3 has five wins as of right now uh, out of 18 games, and uh, Speakeasy has four, and then Best 1 and Daddy Warbucks at three, Little Brother at two, Turtles Paradise trailing behind at one. Um, Man, some I, don't wanna, other- I don't want to spoil this, but th- I'm looking at this Clan of Sar game, and Clan of Sar didn't even... Isn't even in Speakeasy. Yeah. Clan yeah. of Sar made oh, it into yeah, the man. game and wasn't oh, even we'll, the first pick. Oh, we'll get to it, bud. <laughs> I am excited. Yeah. Um, our most played faction so far is the L1Z1X MindNet with 15 games, followed up by Barony Aletnev uh, at 14. Uh, and we've only seen one Clan of Sar, one University of Jolnar. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Hunter, anything else to you strike out on these stats? Let's well, see. Well, it's so Extra has not been yeah uh great. not done well 12 um, picks zero wins yeah, yeah. zero <laughs> zero wins y'all so those of you that are that are still kind of hung up on the like extras awesome in tournament competitions i don't know i think you should think about honestly it up. compared to last year l1's been doing horrible as well 15 picks one win yeah that's very yeah. bad that's the most picked faction bad. and not not many wins we've seen for l1 which is not what i would have expected based on how well they did last year I would so. say the the hot the hot picks right now feel like yin fifty yep. percent of games, but like what half of those games are wins, right? Yeah, like yep, nine yeah four wins out of nine games played. Half, they win half the time they play. Yeah, um, Soul is a hot pick. Uh, yep. Made it into seven games, but have won. I would say about half that, right? Well, no, they've they've won at least if my stats are right, they've won two games and been picked seven. Oh, um, and they okay. get banned often, so they're not do. They're actually not doing great. They're ending up in speakeasy all the time, but they are not, you know, winning all the time. Interesting. Um, yep. What are what are some other uh, kind of? I guess Sardak still has a decent. Sardak's been, doing all right. A one third of games that Sardak plays in, they win six, mm-hmm. s- two wins, six plays. So maybe more people could take risks on that Sardak, um, but. You know, we've seen six ghost plays and no wins, four mentax and no wins. That holds true. Five necros and no wins. So that's Whoa, interesting to me. That yeah. is really yeah. interesting. Necro's the one that's probably underperforming from my expectations. Ghosts and mentac, we literally put in the tier Wait, list that, as that's not, that's pretty not much right. There has been a necro win. There's well, been... then this is. Oh well, uh, hang on. This 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 spreadsheet is three games behind of today's exact date. Uh, so ah. it's worth noting. We oh, have no, 20... I just get spoilers. There's a spoilers. necro win. No, uh, but we have 21 games played, and this spreadsheet is only looking at 18 of those. We're, we're working on getting caught up on the last three most recent games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about all we'll get into on the stats. That's just kind of your look so far. That's your halfway point look at the stats. We've got 36 games total, and that one was covering 18. We've actually got 21 games played and uh, a good bundle scheduled. If we get through every scheduled game coming up through February 9th, we will have eight games left. 
So the big thing I want to say to people is if you got your scheduling email recently that asks for your schedule, in the past we've been basing it off of moderator schedules and getting people in on games. For these last few games, I know we're going to have to just figure out when you can play. So please, 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 please check your email. Check your spam folder if you have signed up for the tournament and have not uh, played a game yet. I, I need to get your schedule or I cannot get you in a game. I've got a decent handful of people that still haven't responded. And I will say this on the show. It, there will come a point where I have to kick people out and we have to like automatically boost people up to the waitlist. I'm not setting an exact date for that yet. Uh, we're going to hold out as long as we can. But like if we get into March and we haven't finished this thing, we're going to start making some big pushes to, to get this thing done. The big goal really is to be done before the end of February. Uh, so we'll see if we can pull that off. Matt, I just want to say I love this stat page. It is. It's, <laughs> I, I just a lot of work went into it, not just from me. Other people contributing to it. A lot of it is based off of stuff that Evernoob did last year, and then mm-hmm. I kind of modified. And the draft page was set up a lot by Garnet Bear, uh, taking a lot of the information. But yeah, we we are doing a lot to try to get you as ma- as many stats about the game as we can. And it's you should take a look at it because many many hours of work went into it, and it it gives you a pretty interesting look at how games shape out. And when we finish the prelims. The questionnaire for the stat page will be made public, which means after we have 36 games on it, we'll release it into the public and let everybody else start adding to it as well. And we'll see kind of where it goes from there. Yeah. Um, Okay. And so now we're going to do a little segment (laughs) called Hunter's Hunter's Picks uh, for looking at this data. Uh, I'm going to give you some insider information. Uh, If you are in the tournament and have not played your prelims game, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking... You gotta ban Yin. You yeah. freaking gotta. Like yeah. you really, really way. gotta. <laughs> um, so I think Yin is kind of promoted to number one ban, and yeah. then the you, you y'all gotta stop taking extra. It's crazy yeah. how many people have taken extra, <laughs> and it is just not. It's not, it's just not the year for that. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think th- I think the smart bans are you know top four plus Yin plus I don't know dealer's yeah. choice. Yeah. All right, let's run it down, Hunter. Give me, give me that rundown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got some business to talk about. Um, hey, so uh, I just want to say up top, thank you to everyone that supports our Patreon. Uh, regardless of level, your support is what makes uh, all of the crazy stuff that we do possible. I mean, the whole reason that this has gone from just being like a little podcast to like this big, yeah. uh, like kind of multi-layered uh, media thing plus a tournament (laughs) all this other stuff like is because of that like that is what has made that possible um uh we already talked about the scheduling uh entrance stuff um so i want to do a little bit of patreon business uh updates for our uh most of the tiers um hundred donaldson fan club the poll will be coming out soon um so please uh if you have any suggestions go ahead and hit up the club uh and let me know but right now my current choices are going to be um we play a game on what will be the rough draft of the semis map, um, which, which that is a wide. Let's be real. A, that's gonna be the scary, one that people pick. Yeah, it's a scary map, and uh, I have no idea. I I want this one to happen because I just need test games on this map to know if it's busted or not. Right. Um. And I think that uh that rough draft of the semis map. Um. I'm gonna play with uh. A mixture of our moderators that are available, um, oh, cool. and then also maybe some uh, some of the upsets from yeah. the prelims. 
Um, so you'll get to kind of see some uh, some of the finalists from last year and our moderators, and that that should be a really fun game. Uh, and let's be real, that's probably what you're going to pick. But if you don't <laughs> want to pick that, here are your other options. Dream Daddy Dating Simulator. Making its return. It's going to be in there until it gets picked, because uh, I am just, I was so blown away by all the excitement around it. I, I, I didn't think people were, were going to get stoked for it. Um, and then uh, another one we could do is uh, we could play Root uh, with the new expansion again. Um, I would play that live with a group of people that I have that like to play Root with me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to throw in EJ's Nuzlocke um, Twilight Imperium uh, variant uh, just for good measure. Um, yeah. I also want to just some updates uh, with the Space Kitty pin. Um, the artist is working on the design right now. Um, I have a small list of uh, manufacturing options. Um, so I I think right now we might be we might have Space Kitty pins ordered by like next week or the week after. Ooh, um, and juicy. then it's just we get them and then we send them. Um, so yeah, it's still still gonna be a little bit of time, but. Uh, but it is being worked on. Uh, Weird Bear shirts. Uh, I basically have an idea for exactly what the design is going to be of it. Um, (laughs) I have to get the right artist. I don't necessarily want to collaborate with the same one I'm doing the pins with. Um, And uh, right now, it's basically about talking to that artist and getting them to agree to do it. Yeah, it'll it'll be a little bit longer before we get Weird Bear shirts into people's hands. Um, I want to thank, speaking of Weird Bears, I want to thank our Weird Bears, Billy, Ponchidori and new weird bear Farganess. Yeah, welcome to the club, Farganess. Yeah. I want to thank our space kitties, uh, Firoso, Scott Radom, Patience, TG Welch, Naderade, Mantis, Rwise, Umar, and Julian. Uh, thank you all so much. All of you are uh, great. Uh, some of you are not as present on the Discord, and I know everybody's got their own things going on, but I would love to see more space kitties in that space kitty chat. And I think we're getting. Hunter, we're getting the um, episode files up to to the the correct Patreon tier here yes. pretty soon, right? The, the yes. episode outlines for everyone. Um, that might be done by the. So I, I uh, let's just be straightforward. Uh, I have been like combing through the old files to make yeah. sure that we didn't like put anything weird in there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it would be weird if we just like wrote something that was like completely unrelated, but also yeah. maybe like not something that would be good to just put on blast for (laughs) not even not even like wrong stuff just like oh like you know somebody's address or something like that you know what i mean stuff that or that time i wrote a whole dissertation on why i think magi should lose the tournament that kind of stuff. oh sure yeah yeah, we want to comb that that kind of stuff too yeah there's 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 that (laughs) stuff and then there's just like practical stuff so i've been coming through that um that will so yeah the you you all get uh access to that uh pretty soon actually you'll probably already have access to it by the time that this episode comes out um, and then let's catch up on Twitch and YouTube stuff. Um, basically, the um, the Harkonnen uh, video is the most recent one to check yeah. out if you want to watch a very good game of Dune that has some me and EJ salt and then ends spectacularly. <laughs> that's still worth checking out on our YouTube. Um, you should expect to this week see, I'm finally going to get those Oath games that we've been playing up yeah. on the YouTube. Um, hopefully both. Uh, my goal is at least one because I would like uh, for anybody that has missed out on the yeah. Oath stuff we've been doing to be able to kind of cram and catch up Right. Uh, because this Saturday, Matt, is the finale That's to right. our, we're calling it right now, season zero of um, a show that we're probably, you'll, 
we'll probably do every once in a while where we'll do just like a series of oath games with kind of an ongoing storyline from game yep. to game. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited for the finale. This this is kind of the Kickstarter edition. I mean, literally rules have been changing as we're playing and if anything uh, today a huge update went out that Oath TTS uh uh mod is available now they just made it available and with that availability came some rules changes so actually when you go back and watch the old vods of our of our previous two games there's stuff that's like completely different now so you know take all of that stuff and that and we're probably going to keep all the old rules for this saturday just because it's too messy to like try to change it in our tts save file so we're just we're just leaning into it and saying this was the you know early kickstarter edition of the game that we're going to finish it out on and later on we'll play with a you know a, a once the game has kind of really settled into its place we'll, we'll do another season and let that be kind of the official season one but yeah i'm, I'm very excited to to see how this one ends we'll, we will be playing on the fourth and final oath uh so we'll have covered kind of all the bases uh without even necessarily meaning to so yeah Super I'm really, stiff. I'm really excited for it. Um, the game, the games have had like a very interesting ongoing story uh, yeah. that have has kind of like bounced back and forth between a couple things, and uh, and now we have our our kind of final game to decide who is the Who's final the true chancellor. champion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. with every we, the way we treat these things is there's a winner of each game, but there's only one winner of the season. Of the whole and season. everything we're doing is building up to who will win the season and and letting the stories of the games feed into that. So yeah, please join Which, us. On which that. I realize now doesn't make any sense because it means that all of the individual games are what are those as far as <laughs> like <laughs> it's very silly what we're I don't know doing we can rank we can we can on, in longer seasons because we will have much longer than four game seasons in the future we'll we'll actually like keep track of who had the most wins and stuff like that but but for now this one's just about who wins game four hey well you can also find us uh, anywhere you get podcasts and we would love it if you rate us there rate us on Apple Podcasts iTunes all that that business it increases visibility and gets people more more people playing ti dune root oath all that stuff uh, yeah that, that that's that's our big thing is just trying Ooh, to get more people I, and also to play i want to i want to throw something in here not only rate our show but um i i am uh, becoming quite the podcaster at mm-hmm. this point um and if you want you can uh listen to me on um i am a regular on dumb and busted uh which is a true crime podcast that focuses on silly goofy little crimes um, that show is fun if you're into true crime stuff or even just comedy stuff in general. It's way more about comedy than it is about true crime. Um, and then I am actually on a show called Read It and Weep, which is a show that used to be about um, very horrible books, and right now it is about movies. Um, they are doing a season of the show called uh, Slightly Condescending Film School, where myself and my friend Anthony Lopez, uh, who we both consider ourselves some um, uh, movie buffs, if you will. Pretty um, condescending. Yeah, I get it. Yes, condescending. <laughs> uh, and we educate our friend Alex Falcone, who is the host of the show, who is a has been a movie critic in his life. Wow. And also has gotten to vote in the Academy for the <laughs> for the Academy Awards. And this guy doesn't know diddly twat about movies <laughs> and regularly has the dumbest take you could possibly have. So, okay, I'll just give you this. He watched Parasite, yeah. an excellent movie that is that should win Best Picture this year. Right. Um, and that everyone is just raving about. Uh, and it is probably the most obvious, like, duh, great movie that came out in 2019. And his takeaway from it, and this is not going to make sense to anybody that hasn't seen it, but I'm just going to throw this out there. He sees this movie and he comes back and is on the show and is just like, you know what? I kind of liked the rich people better. 
<laughs> so check out that show That's while, I, while I'm on it. bad take. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can also find us <laughs> at Space Cats Pod on Twitter, Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. And please join our Discord so you can get in on all the fun conversations and be a part of the, the uh, up-to-date tournament you know overviews and everything you know we announce every winner as it happens so if you want to be a like a live part of the tournament get on the discord hey hunter do you hear that it's a, what is that in the distance it's the rules quiz oh hey, no guess what everybody oh, right here no. at the end surprise rule <laughs> what we this episode's long enough Matt. <laughs> no i wanted it all right hunter i'm not ready today's quiz i love that i get all the <laughs> milty <laughs> sent me a, a billion rules quiz things and he even did me the courtesy of hiding the answers in a spoiler text thing uh and i still Open them and make you do it, and I don't have to do it because I get all the control in this situation. All right. So if you want to fight back, you need to have Milty send you rules quizzes, and you can get me next time. But Hunter, oh wait, wait. So the rules are the I, I need because I I messed up the one last <laughs> we week. We make it and up I every want, time. I want to win. Okay. Um, am I allowed to look at not like and and no in, no you living? You need to know it. Top of the dome. <sighs> just your best guess. But could I at least look at like a faction sheet? thing sure but this one won't be relevant okay fine so you'll be fine this time you i would let you look at faction sheets but it's not going to matter right now what happens to a player's scored secret objectives if they are eliminated what happens to their unscored secret objectives Oh my God! What do you mean? What happens to their scored secret? Of, what? Do you, nothing happens to their. Why would this shouldn't exist? This. Okay, so what happens to their to their scored secret objectives? I'm gonna say nothing. Um, I guess, and by nothing I mean they stay scored. Well, what? Okay, do you like remove people off the victory point tracker after they've been eliminated? Hello? Um, yeah, you do. You do do that. You take. You remove everyone's uh, tokens from the board, and the and the score tracker and everything. Oh my God! Did there? Does it all go back in the secret deck? I wonder. Ding, 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 ding. When another player, when a player becomes eliminated, his secret objectives are shuffled back into the secret objective deck, whether they have been completed or not, as per living rules reference 31.7. Wow. Isn't that wild? So if you want access to so-and-so's, you know, defeat the leader uh, secret objective, you could just eliminate them and then go do that to somebody else by drawing that secret from the deck. If you need to, if you, if they, that's, that's one really, really wild way to go about s- shuffling through the secret objective deck. Wow. That's really weird. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, thanks, Matt. You did something really nice to me, which was, I was just wondering. I know, I know. I wanted you... to give it, I wanted to give you a win, Hunter. Yeah. I, I felt like you, you deserved it. And because your mind even went there, I felt like I, I should just give it to you. That's wild. Well, I did it. I am uh, I'm the rules champion now. You can uh, send me uh, Facebook uh, messages in the middle of the night, and uh, that's me answering all your questions. If you if you if you send a message to our Facebook, it's now and you, Hunter, and you're like, "Who is that?" It's Hunter, and you could even say, "Oh yeah, all right." From now on, oh okay, new rule for us. <laughs> 
for just me and the audience. No, Matt's not invited to this. Uh, whenever you send Facebook messages to our Facebook page in the middle of the night asking rules questions, you should say, hey, Hunter, what's blah, blah, blah. And then after somebody responds, say, thanks, Hunter. You're so good at this kind of stuff. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. The spice must flow. <laughs>